0: And we're on Hollywood Boulevard for an early edition.
1: Yeah. Hello, guys. You just get a one shot instead of a double shot of Doug and Karen this week. We're skipping back on the block. It has nothing to do with the episode or Melrose or anything that they did to us.
0: Well, Wow! Well.
1: <laughs> the, the official reason,
0: the official reason is, <laughs>
1: I don't know. What we've ended up doing is really spacing these season the last one or two seasons out longer because of life interruptions. And it's like, maybe we really should have just done a band-aid and just done them bam bam bam. But um
0: nah. but here we
1: are. Nah. Melrose free. Um just talking about today stuff, now stuff. Um so last week I mentioned a movie that I had seen, Karen hadn't and now i'm gonna ask a question that i already know the answer to karen have you now seen the batman
0: i did it took me two installments but i saw it nah it's a long one three freaking hours yeah now not like i want to say it wasn't worth it although i do have to like i'm a bit I, i have a bit of a head scratch about what all the hype is um because everybody that i'm sort of like hearing talk about this movie is like oh, my God, it's sensational, right? It's the best thing I've ever seen. It's the best Batman ever. It's like, well, is, people are really I pumped about, about this. That. I okay. do, too. So let's let's discuss.
1: So, yeah, and I have another question. So last week you said you and Anthony were going to watch it together. Did you end up watching it together, or was it you just doing it on your own? And No, we parts?
0: did watch it together.
1: Oh, okay, good, because I'll be curious to hear what, what he thought, too. Well,
0: um, I, I mean, the, the quick of it is he said he liked it, but... He didn't like go into any more than that, but like he spent a lot of time on his phone. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, okay, like, I don't, I was like, I don't know if you really did like it all that much because you were on your phone for most of it.
1: Yeah. But anyway. (laughs) So um, I have little thoughts. I don't have an overarching thesis, but like my takeaways of the movie, we saw it two Saturday before last. So we saw it in one sitting.
0: Oh, d- um, now, did you see it at home or did you see n- it yeah, the at
1: home okay. on HBO max? Yeah. And we were never going to go see that in the theater. I don't really get a lot out of the 21st century, like DC comic movies. Um, I don't really think they're fun. I don't really think they're that well thought through. I'm a big slave to the Tim Burton ones. Um uh, I also just feel like we ha, haven't we rung every story angle out of Batman and Gotham city that we really can I get? was
0: wondering the same thing,
1: but here's what I, okay. So here's what I initially said when we were watching the movie, I get that we make the Batman movies darker and darker and darker um, since the Tim Burton ones. But now this one is the movie Seven. It's David Fincher's Seven. It's the, the world is dark and bleak and it's always raining and everything is corrupt and there's no hope for anyone or anything.
0: <laughs> the hat in the fucking box. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I mean, but that's the difference. There's no surprise. There's no reveal. There's no real tension even in any sequence. And you have multiple villains or potential villains in this one. You have a Catwoman figure. You have a Penguin figure, sort of. And you have the Riddler. And they're all in their own movies. The stories do not intertwine or push each other along mm-hmm. in any way. And
0: and the villains didn't even really feel like villains. Like, I didn't have... No! I didn't feel First of like all, the Riddler, Riddler is actually overarching...
1: acting like the Joker.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I didn't feel like there was this overarching big bad, although I guess it would be the Riddler. But... Even that the rhythm felt... is
1: I think certainly this movie's big bad but
0: but the way like... he's
1: written he's off camera so much yeah he's unseen yeah. so much that like he doesn't matter you know he's causing little fits and starts of mayhem um but off to the side
0: yeah that's why I felt like they're like who's the big bad here because then we had the was it Falcone character Mm -hmm. played by John Turturro who he was kind of the bad guy and Penguin was sort of a bad guy but not really a bad guy like it was just like there there was no real big bad to make me root for Batman right like there wasn't
1: no but nor was I ever really concerned about Batman or Bruce Wayne
0: okay well here's my question The thing that I can't understand, and they do this in like just about every Batman, is the point of Batman slash Bruce Wayne is he is simply a man who does not have superhero powers. Mm. And the only thing that saves him is his gear, right? It's his. Pretty much the money and the gear. Yeah. Yeah. The money, the gear, the tech, the stuff that he's able to afford, right? I'm telling you, they were like bouncing poor Robert Pattinson all over the place with the, and I was like, go, and there are bullets flying off of him, and he's getting dropped from all these heights, and I'm sort of going, how is he not dead? Because he is not superhuman. Yeah, he
1: doesn't have any sort of accelerated healing. You're right. Yeah. Right, and I feel like what, what, like kind of the general school of thought is in these postmodern superhero movies is is like we try and knock them down as much as we can to show them suffer but but like it's one thing when like spider-man or iron man get like tossed around because they can heal right like there won't be scars Uh, batman if he's not protected by his suit or the batmobile eventually really has to be in traction
0: Right. Right. Exactly. And so that was sort of, I felt like they were doing things to him where I was just kind of like, yeah, no suit in the world's going to protect you from that. And it really pulled me out of the story.
1: But the other thing I thought was, I mean, so many thoughts, um, Like we used to have better actors and this isn't even a knock on Robert Pattinson because in the right movie and he's done a lot of really cool indies from good writer directors where I think he's proven his worth. um, But in a movie like this, that's kind of heartless and aimless, Mm -hmm. um, like he can't do the brooding thing because there's not there aren't actual notes on the page for him to play. So it's like they have to physically knock him around just so we have a, a Batman or Bruce Wayne who is suffering. Or who's f- we're finding flaws with because he can't just have all the winds running around Gotham, right? But 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 it's like uh, to to what purpose? I mean, I even think the film's climax is completely anticlimactic.
0: The one where he there's saves a flood the, with the flood, and he yeah. saves the yeah. I agree. I completely agree. It kind of felt like. The three hours built to nothing.
1: Yeah, that's largely what we said.
0: And I mean, as far as Pattinson goes, I kind of got hints of Willem Dafoe in his performance, interestingly enough. I, so I actually said something to um, Anthony about that. I was like, oh, he's, he really reminds me of Willem Dafoe. And so it, it was nice to see him in a non-heartthrobby role because I've only ever seen him in the Harry Potter movie. And in Twilight, although, you know, I fall asleep during Twilight, so I can't even, like, can I even say I've seen Twilight? I mean, I'm
1: sure whatever you got out of it, you got everything you were going to get out of it. <laughs> so That's what I think.
0: So, it was kind of nice to see him outside of that, and I did, like, there were certain things that I did like about it. So, like, when he took the the outfit off his eyes still had like the mask. His eyes still had like black makeup around them. Right. And he looked kind of defeated, you know, like, like he had this sort of defeated quality to him that I actually really liked and felt that it worked. Um, as, but, but at the same time, like Bruce Wayne is also a philanthropist. He was somebody that the city, like he also had, He, he also had like the ear of the city as Bruce yeah. Wayne, not yeah. just as Batman, right? Like he had, he was in that sort of political machine because he was so wealthy and he was a captain of industry and he ran Wayne Enterprises. And the way that it was written, apparently he's about to run out of money and he's not really running Wayne Enterprises. So he's running it into the ground.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not quite sure what that, you, you know, so it, it was, I, I kind of felt like we had, And I don't really know the comics well enough to sort of know, well, maybe they veered from something since the original, but I do feel like I'm like, what happened to the source material here?
1: Yeah, no, I don't know them well enough anymore either. I used to read them when I was really, really little, but don't retain anything. Yeah, I think by now we're veering away from the template to just try and do something different. And I think, um, you know, they're trying to do this angsty thing with Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. And that's why we have like Nirvana playing in the background of the movie. We're trying to do something that's very like grunge yeah. Edgy. feeling, Edgy. which, which has no edges as like, it <laughs> I, like I just think it contributes nothing to the overall scheme of things. Um because, you know, at some point with Gotham City, like, it should look fun and aspirational, too. Or else, what do we even want anyone to be saved to enjoy? Right,
0: like, who? Like, do we really care about saving this city? If like, if everyone
1: case? is corrupt, and if everything is so drab, like, what? what is even the point here?
0: Right, because I can totally understand. Okay, so to, to take the Joker, right, which... Um, and we both love that or the, movie. Joker? the Riddler the no the Joker the movie the Joker Oh the
1: oh you mean well, the Joaquin Phoenix the
0: Joaquin Joker Phoenix, Got the it. Joker yes. yeah okay yeah. so which we both love that one right yeah yeah okay so it made sense that his Gotham was dreary because that is what's going to make the villain right like having right. the sort of hard knock life and and living in poverty and having all of these woes right and problems he's that's going to make him the villain but by giving bruce wayne nothing but tragedy which obviously he's already had the loss of his parents but he's got alfred who's bringing him up and he's got and he is insulated right he is part of the society and he's insulated by giving him also that sort of drab and dreary backstory it's kind of I, it, does, it you you don't have like it's like you don't, you don't have anywhere to go, right? Like you can never like tragedy like you can't experience happiness without experiencing tragedy. Like it mm-hmm. feels like that same thing here where like everything is just really fucking tragic.
1: Yeah, it's a flat line. Yeah. Like it's a plateau. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Where it's like everything is tragic and so who cares?
1: Well, th- yeah, I think that's you basically hit exactly what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, if it's just all misery, then that's all there is. There's nothing to save here. Move on.
0: Exactly. But it, like I said, it makes sense in the Joker. But right. As an a-
1: origin story for a dark villain, sure.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Like, but if they wanted us
1: to know anything about the Riddler in this movie, which we don't, like, if they wanted to give us something of that color for him, then, okay,
0: yeah, but we didn't get that. Yeah,
1: but yeah. yeah. Um quickly before I forget, um you mentioned the Willem Defoe likeness. Mm-hmm. So I want to recommend a Robert Pattinson movie that you haven't seen called The Lighthouse, which is basically yeah. just the two of them and I think you'd really like it or you'd yeah, really I mean, hate Defoe it. It would be one of it. The, it would be one of those. We really liked it.
0: Yeah, I know. It was one on my like to see list and then it just got you It's know. I
1: think on something streamable.
0: Oh, okay, cool. That's good to know. I'll be able to find it hopefully. Um but it, uh, oh shit I was I just had something and it just flitted right out I of my I know it brain. was
1: brilliant I mean I I'm sure Oh
0: it was brilliant and it just flitted right out of my brain Oh now I remember so I was kind of wondering uh, to that end of tra- tragedy on on top of tragedy so at the end of this movie spoiler alert um, Yeah yeah, they, yeah yeah spoiler There's something that they they bring something about where they where he he has this sort of epiphany about like how he's been like walking around saying, "I am vengeance," and he has this epip- epiphany where he's bat the Batman can't be about vengeance, and so mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is that why they had all of this darkness because he was headed down the villainous path because he was doing this for vengeance instead of doing this as I don't not vengeance. I don't know. What I mean, that would I don't be. know. I just think
1: I just think they wanted it to be a, a this big dark epic thing because even the 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 revelation thing that it's like oh uh, my dad is not exactly who i thought he was so i'm not exactly what who i thought i was and what i've been doing is not really for all the right reasons or something like that I, for me did not bear any real dramatic fruit like it think, didn't didn't really matter
0: i also think they didn't mine it deep enough right yeah,
1: that's like, basically what I'm saying.
0: Like yeah. maybe if we went a little deeper with that, but then of course it's already three hours. Now it would be, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's have this yeah, six hour epic, the six-hour epic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like they didn't they they didn't dig deep enough, and I think that maybe they could have let, um, you know, let one of the side stories go, right, and and maybe. I mean I guess maybe they wanted Catwoman so that he could have a love interest and there's a little eye candy you know for for the for for the fanboys or something. You know it just felt like there were a lot of different movies going on and maybe if we had just sort of focused on one plot line and yeah. allow and then and then allowed we're allowed to have like a little bit of a deeper dive into his psyche then maybe then it would have been a better movie.
1: I mean, it would have been, there's a lot of room for improvement. I just think for as long a movie as it is, they actually don't want to go deep.
0: Well, I mean, I guess not, but at the same time, like, okay, well also I have to wonder, I still stand by the best Batman was the first one.
1: Do you mean the Michael Keaton? Michael one? Keaton one. Yeah. You're not wrong. You I, are one hundred percent right.
0: I think that there was a really great balance between.
1: That's what it is. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, you yeah.
1: recognize that you come from the comics, but you injected all this dark into it, and it and neither one overpowered the other.
0: Exactly, and 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 it and it had a humorous element to it because that's the thing; these are comics, like that. Like there, there is an element of humor or fun or playfulness or, or or something that's a little bit over the top that's going to come through in the villains. And I think that's why Gotham worked so well too, because we had yeah. the Joker and the Riddler playing off of each other as this, as these, or the penguin, I'm sorry, the penguin, penguin and the Riddler playing off of each other as just these two ridiculous sort of Laurel and Hardy characters. And that, and that worked because it injected a bit of fun and frivolousness into you know, these characters doing really terrible things.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I was emphatic before because I'm, that's just what I always say about why those movies worked. And a lot of the subsequent ones didn't like, you still come from the comic books. You were colorful. It was ridiculous. There was stuff that couldn't happen in the real world. And it's a sign of where we are nowadays that a lot of creatives want to, to throw in more darkness But like these aren't things that can ever just take place in the real world. Gotham City is never; it can mirror New York City, but it's never going to actually be New York City.
0: Yeah. And actually, come to think of it, Birds of Prey, which was universally panned by I think except us, well, I think they did that really, really well. I think so too. I think there was a great balance between that sort of more serious and you know and disturbing element, and then that really fantastic it was still fun and
1: colorful yeah, yeah. it was yeah. fun and
0: colorful exactly and i know that that got like maligned and probably because i don't it was think a female it director. did no i th- i remember it getting maligned i remember people being so angry about it
1: the only reason i say that is because and i think i saw it a couple years after it was released maybe one year i don't know i remember it showing up on a bunch of like year-end best lists
0: I remember it getting panned. I remember people being actively angry about it.
1: it Maybe it was just very mixed then. I don't know.
0: All right. Because I just remember it getting like really bad. I could be wrong. It
1: could have been a thing where it was. I feel like I was seeing those lists in the very beginning of the pandemic. So probably through 2020. I think it was released in that month before the shutdown. Um, But what is time? Um, So I feel like (laughs) when we were deprived of a lot of other movies throughout the year, I kept seeing that one as one of the movies that was recommended by people. And then it probably took me another full year to watch it. I think that's the timeline. But I remember that there was a lot of good stuff said about it. So there there could have been also... A lot of negative reviews, um, but I just didn't read them because I hadn't seen it.
0: Why do I I, see, I don't know why I remember it. I, I,
1: you could be right, and I I'm, remember
0: it being like I just didn't see a lot of just those being like this was terrible. Like I just remember people just disliking it and inc- like so much.
1: I know that like by and large everyone hates Suicide Squad, right? Yes. So I feel like Birds of Prey was definitely better received. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know why I felt. You like guys, if you it. have
1: a better grip on this, uh, let us know.
0: Yeah, I just. See, What's I the thought, skinny I on Birds of people Prey? People, I thought people didn't like it. Um. Anyway, yeah, what is the skinny on Birds of Prey? Because I really don't remember. But anyway, um, but I loved it, and I felt like they did that right, whereas um, the Batman did not. But I'm assuming that we'll have more the Batmans.
1: Oh, yes, I'm sure. And also, they are spinning off the Penguin character that Colin Farrell played under all that makeup um, into an HBO series or miniseries, oh. something like that. So we'll actually see more, I presume, of his villainy. Uh, in that form, but that was, it's also like, why then why even like have him in this movie? Because yeah. he just took a, like, he was great. He and John are probably the best performances in movie. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: I was going to say. He had but they're a so, different movie. Yeah, yeah. And he had so little to do. Yeah. And he, but every time he was on, it was wonderful. And I could not believe that that was Colin Farrell.
1: I know. Completely unrecognizable. Doesn't sound like him either.
0: Do, doesn't exactly doesn't look like him doesn't sound like him has absolutely you would you, i ha, i was like look, I, like i had to be told anthony was like that's colin farrell i was like are you fucking kidding me like no no way would have never guessed it in a million years it's a hell of a performance and and a hell of a makeup job <laughs> and it was also nice to see john turturro in something you know like yeah nice to see him again yeah um,
1: especially like pretty much like unadulterated bad guy
0: yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, so that was definitely a high point. And I did, and I did like Pattinson. I mean, I did like him. I thought he was doing the job he needed to do. Right. Yeah, like, I, I think so too. Um, you know, but I, and, and I felt the same way about uh, Zoe Kravitz. I thought that she was a wonderful cat woman and, you know, I, I think she got the most exciting stunts to be honest with you.
1: Oh, stunt wise. I think you're right.
0: You know even more so than than Pattinson I thought I thought her style like I thought her her moves were way more exciting um she was doing a lot of like flipping and kicking and you know it was just way more fun to watch her fight scenes than his fight scenes yeah um but yeah other than that I don't know what people are raving about
1: No, but, you know, you said the thing about they think this is the best one they've ever seen. It's like whatever the most recent thing is, is the best, is everyone's favorite. Because everyone's a goldfish now when it comes to their art. Um, I mean, you can't tell me that Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. He's just the current Spider-Man. The newest movies are not necessarily doing things that have never been done before. They're just the ones that people that talk the most get the most excited about. is is how I see it.
0: Yeah. I'm just feeling, I wonder if people have, like, how many people have just forgotten about that first Batman?
1: Oh, I think a lot.
0: You know, because everyone, everyone always brings up Ben Affleck, right? They always bring up his Batman, which I've never seen. But, you know, he, I I think he's the most overrated actor of our generation. But anyway. um, Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) Um, But, but everybody, so everybody sort of brings up the Ben Affleck, one, but they're not talking about the Michael Keaton one, which I thought was delightful.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people's memory goes only uh, as far back as the Christian Bale trilogy.
0: Was that before think... or after Beth, Ben Affleck, the Christian Bale one? Before. Didn't see. Yeah, wow, Batman Begins is like
1: 2005, and then so like the Ben Affleck ones start, I don't know, 2013,
0: 2015. Okay. Oh my God, I, I didn't realize that that was before. I didn't even see, I didn't see the Christian Bale ones either.
1: Yeah, I, uh, well, I can appreciate them on a certain level, but they don't have the magic I got from Batman and also Batman Returns and not much since. <sighs>
0: well there we go
1: but it's like how many times are we going to go back to the well the well is dry
0: well that's exactly it right i mean i think that's also why i found the joker so refreshing because yeah
1: because okay we're we're dipping our foot into this world but it's not the same origin story it's not the same thing yeah
0: exactly we got a new origin story which i was like, like, give me more, give me more villain stories, give me their origin stories, because, you know, it's sort of like, you know, every, every villain is a hero in their own story. So let's, let's see that, you know, we don't have to keep remaking Batman. We can maybe just have him as this sort of, you know, special guest star in, in these other stories, like let him, let Batman be the villain in, in, the, in yeah. the, you know, in the hero, in the villains, in the villain's own story um so i'd like to see more of that i don't think we need more batmans
1: no it to me is diminishing returns yeah again it's been done
0: yeah yes it has and even catwoman has been done but i don't but i think that could be ripe for a remake but yeah i yes it would be
1: interesting i feel like there's still story to tell i don't know if it'll ever be done right And um, sidebar, I'm actually writing an article about the significance of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman for like a literary magazine someone reached out to me about. Um, So the 30th anniversary of that movie is in June. And I think sometime later on in May, that article will be published.
0: Oh, my God. You didn't tell me that.
1: Well, it's not real yet until I <laughs> until I see it. But yeah, they, they reached out to me. Someone found me on social media and said, would you be interested in writing for our thing? And I how said... How did they
0: find you? Like, how did they find you on social media and know that you were, like... Well, no, no, like no, it was my...
1: No, it was my... If only. But no, it was... Um, they asked me to do something about, you know, I think they'd seen that. I wrote a lot about theater and film. And so I was like, you know, I see you've gotten you know, have like poetry and fiction in this, I could write something about culture. And they were like, that's great. And so I was about to send them a few ideas. And the first idea I sent was, well, let me talk about why I think this is a significant iconic Catwoman. Um, and I was like, but if it's not going to work, um, I have other ideas. And I was probably going to then pitch something more academic. Um, and the guy that I was communicating with was like oh my god that sounds so great i can't wait to see it um and i was holy like holy
0: shit that cool. never happens well
1: no <laughs> so the one the one hitch was uh i was like okay let me know if there are uh, any parameters or style guidelines or anything mm-hmm. and he said nope it's fine um just make it like 5000 words but if that's not enough you can make it be longer it was like 5000 words
0: 5000 words <laughs> god i was like wishing for that on this story that i just filed for my magazine
1: well you can have it no so i'm at like four thousand.
0: my god that's a lot of words about it's a lot it's firm. a lot that's of words. A it's a lot of like
1: even about something you really love and think you know well there's only so much you can say
0: yeah yeah so
1: i'm trying to i'm trying to you know write about it in a in a fun way and contextualize it like also knowing as much as i know about what the Hollywood scene was like then versus now. Cause one of the things I think is important is that at that movie come out now, that would be an Oscar winning performance, but then it was, you know, considered yeah, that, too yeah, commercial. It was,
0: yeah. It was considered too commercial for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like
1: it's nice that a lot of people have come out and appreciated that um, years and years and years later, but those were not conversations to be had by adults then at the time.
0: Oh my god! I can't wait to. I want to read this.
1: I don't want to oversell it because who knows what it's going to finally turn out to be. I know, but, but, but you know, I want
0: to read those.
1: But I will. Uh, we'll definitely put it up on our our page, and uh, I'll be sure to send it over.
0: Yes, please.
1: Um, but yeah, so I hold those first two close to my heart. I could rewatch those anytime. And in truth, even though the first, the, the, the Val Kilmer one, Batman Forever, um, oh, it's still god. fun. Alyssa oh, and I say too. we're going to watch that again too, but you know, life and Mets games get in the way.
0: <laughs> I completely forgot about Val Kilmer. Oh my god, there are too many Batman's. It's time to move on, folks. Yeah,
1: that is the crux of the story.
0: Yeah. So okay. Let's so did you guys gonna... watch
1: anything else? Any other three-hour movies?
0: Um. No, that was. I didn't. I honestly have been working like non-stop i, I had this I huge it. fucking cover story that i had to write that turned into like a shitstorm storm of controversy so oh uh, lucky you i know i ended up doing a little investigative reporting so it was um it was kind of wild and wow. um and so uh you know i will we'll see what happens i mean it was sort of like okay. you know i was like you know three quarters of the way through reporting it and I had a meeting with my editor and she was like, Wow, I was thinking that it was gonna be more like, you know, what a clams taste like and I was like, No, that's that's not the story. <laughs> <part." laughs> like she was like, Maybe if you talk to a chef I was like, No, that's not the story. <laughs> so I was like I was like, sorry. Um yeah, so it just it's it's turned into this whole wild environmental focused story that has been consuming me for the past couple of weeks. So,
1: Well, well you know what? If it's been uh, itching at you, then good for you for leaning right into it.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it was, I mean, it was itching at me. Like it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going down a road here that I am like petrified to go down, but I need to go down. Like I have to go down it. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm already, I'm on this path. I'm not going to turn around and walk away from this because it's a good story right you know i mean i i wish i had five thousand words for it because it was so it was so layered but i mean part like i mean the good thing is so i i feel like i've only barely scratched the surface and it still feels very superficial to me because i know like i know where i could have gone deeper but you know part of the problem was like i was reaching out to scientists who are not getting back to me i was reaching out you know like there are there isn't there are a number of people that just weren't getting back to me um the that were our stakeholders and should be you know should be getting back to me and just aren't. So that you know and I have and I don't have months and months and months to spend on this, you know. I I it was like I only had like 3 weeks. Yeah. You know, so 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 I was kind of you know tied by word count and and also you know deadlines. So um so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a good story. I don't know if it's a shit story. I have no idea. So. Here's well, I here. bet
1: it's a good story.
0: Here's hoping that it's good, but yeah, but that has been my entire life for like the past couple of weeks. And you know, between that and then also like my regular work for the magazine and then also my work for tasting table and my PR work. And it's just been like my head spinning. I haven't Ooh, seen Well, I don't anything. blame you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you went to the theater.
1: I did. In fact, I saw a three-hour show.
0: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I mean, it happens. Um,
0: Sometimes it's easier
1: to sit through the musicals than the straight plays, but this was a straight play, a revival of The Skin of Our Teeth over at Lincoln Center Theater, which luckily is not too far from me, uh, which is a Thornton Wilder show. It's a Thornton Wilder play that also won a Pulitzer, just like his Our Town, the more famous one, did – and I've seen this a couple times. I had reviewed it back when I was in undergrad and I saw, it, I think off Broadway, I think I saw it in Brooklyn five or six years ago, a theater for a new audience. It's a big show in, in like just about every conceivable way. Um, and it's, you know, like, it's not a show to be taken seriously. It's a show that, that kind of, pokes a lot of fun pokes a lot of holes and things and then maybe you take something home with it and think about it but it's 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 three acts and it's the central family is is set in three distinct periods uh as they face some sort of impending doom so the first act is kind of set in post-war 1950s in a town in New Jersey um, where they look like they are living the suburban ideal. Um, The father has invented the wheel and they are, you know, very wealthy. And oh yes, it is also the before times it's like the Cretaceous period or something. And there's a a dinosaur and a woolly mammoth that are walking around outside and eventually come into the house and start walking around the living room as they deal with, you know, the mother and the son and the daughter and their issues. And also the cantankerous maid who keeps addressing the audience and breaking the fourth wall to say how she hates this show and prefers other plays like this and that. Um, it's, in its time, which I believe was 1940 or 41 when it was written, it was uh, quite a unique rule-breaking, stylistic work that yeah. that I think like created a style and created a canon that has since been filled by a lot of other kind of mm, absurdist or near-absurdist um, works. And and so so the second act involves um, the family is now. Five thousand years since we first saw them in Act One, and they are facing uh, like a, a natural kind of disaster that um, they're all sort of ignoring the signals for while they all sit and and have very minor, frivolous kind of fights and discussions on a on a boardwalk, like an Atlantic City type boardwalk. The the what of it like the specific who are these people where are they what is supposed to be happening kind of matters less than just the overall thing of of taking it in the third act is so you you wait almost 2 hours before the intermission and then the third act finds them in a time of of similar ruin after a a more man-made disaster a kind of civil war i think in this kind in this play this adaptation is definitely supposed to be the Civil War in America um, and how they have survived and responded to it, each of the characters we've met since the beginning so it's illogical, it kind of abides by Thornton Wilder's own logic and you can sort of hear him laughing mm. like he was having fun kind of seeing like, do you believe what I'm trying to get away with um, and the, the director Liliana Blaine Cruz who who's come up in the last few years and does a lot of, of really kind of over the top stylistic uh, choices um, has made, you know, like, like this is Spinal Tap, this goes to 11. I mean, the show goes to like 111. You've got the puppets for the dinosaur and the woolly man. I mean, like she doesn't leave an inch of set of proscenium of height um, without some sort of business going on. Um, The cast is really good for the most part though they're all directed to be so over the top i'm not quite sure ultimately what the takeaway is Mm -hmm. supposed to be um it is pointedly a cast uh where the 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 whole ensemble is comprised of people of color but that doesn't actually change or underscore any point um okay but the, you know, the performers, especially James, Vincent, Meredith, and Rosalind Ruff as the Mr. and Mrs. Antrobus, um, the the husband and wife at the center, uh, are very good. And it's funny that we mentioned Catwoman before, because Gabby Beans, who's the actress that plays the maid, Sabina, um, has this very affected voice when she's talking to us. And it sounds just like Eartha Kitt, one of the original oh, Catwoman.
0: Oh, oh, we love Eartha Kitt
1: um so not 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 a true home run but but an interesting show an interesting production full of theatrical flourish so um so a lukewarm recommendation
0: um i'm curious because i had have- thought and i just looked it up brandon jacobs jenkins
1: oh yes he did an adaptation he did he he updated some of the dialogue
0: Cause it for, says additional the, material yeah. here. Cause I thought yeah. he adapted it and this was like his, but, but it just says additional material. So I'm just kind of curious. I
1: think, that. I think it could qualify in some ways as an adaptation, but no, I don't think he has done a huge lift and shift. I think he has poked further holes um, and, you know, like swapped out some references with other references, that okay. sort of thing.
0: Okay. Cause yeah. Cause like like Thornton Wilder is still getting the billing. And, and like Brandon is sort of like mentioned in the description. So that's that's why I was sort of like, like I was kind of like, oh, what what is this? What's going on here? Because, you know, I
1: yeah, I've... no, it's you're yeah. correct. He was someone was brought in. Brandon Jacobs Jenkins was brought in um, to to do stuff to it. In the end, I don't think he's done a ton of stuff okay. to it, but some recognizably different Difference.
0: Right. So, yeah. That that I thought was like super interesting. And I was like, oh, because I like Brandon and I love the, you know, the Octoroon and Octoroon. And yeah,
1: like, this, which I different. still think is the best thing I've have seen of his.
0: Of his or just in general?
1: No, of his and Octoroon is oh, okay. definitely like the work of his that I think is the best.
0: Okay. Um, so anyway, I was just curious about that. But
1: that's, you should feel happy because that's what you saw.
0: Uh, yeah, three hours though. Nope. That's a big nope.
1: Sorry, you mean for skin of our teeth
0: yeah
1: (laughs) oh yeah that i understand
0: yeah no that's a big nope big nope big nope
1: well the other show that i saw was shorter it was an intermissionless hour and like 40 hour 45 um and it's actually i think one of this year's big big shows a strange loop
0: Ah, Um, yes, that's gotten a lot of attention.
1: uh, Which I'd actually seen off-Broadway going on three years ago, summer of 2019. Um, And then it went on to win Pulitzer in the height of COVID. Uh, It's a really interesting show written by um, a playwright named, I mean, he did the score, he did the lyrics, everything here is his, the book. Uh, as well. Michael R. Jackson is his name, but he is not part of the famous Jacksons. Um, And I'll say it's more than semi-autobiographical without being 100%. It's probably like 75% (laughs) autobiographical. Um, And, you know, it's called A Strange Loop, and it's like a musical that really does circles around itself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It is about a man named Usher because he is an usher or I should say not because but he is an usher okay. at the Lion King and he is an aspiring um you know like playwright and musical writer and so he's trying to work on you know, his his first big show. But he's also dealing with a lot of his own personal hangups. I won't say demons, but hang ups. They're things that are sticking to him in his mind that he just like can't get through. And I imagine that these are a lot of similar things that the real Michael R. Jackson probably encountered internally as a result of growing up as a black queer man. So there's a lot, a lot of references to what it is to be gay, what it is to be gay in the black community, what, you know, like, colorism within the black gay community. There's a lot of AIDS references. There's also a lot of Tyler Perry references. Um, they abound throughout the show. And and so we sort of go through the, these kind of rabbit holes as um, Usher, like, addresses what's on his mind. There's uh, an ensemble of six people who all play different, thoughts they're called thought 1 thought 2 thought 3 thought 4 etc um they cuz they're the figments of whatever is going on in his mind brought to dramatic life uh for for us the audience to see and they also play other characters including members of Usher's uh family and so we see how you know like some of their inability to accept or understand understand his homosexuality as as much as their inability to understand what it is he wants to do with his life and for a living. Um, it's not a complicated show. I do think it kind of goes off the rails. um these sort of like concentric circles that that Michael R. Jackson has created eventually unravel a little bit. and I think he kind of kind of loses focus on on where we're supposed to be, but it's definitely uh it's definitely a worthwhile sort of deconstruction of art talking about art or art talking about the artist striving to make art, uh, in a fresh way. And for that, it's definitely to be applauded. And I can't imagine it's not the front runner for the best musical Tony this year.
0: Wow. Now, did, how do you think it survived the transfer? Like, did it, did it change at all? Was it, has it gone bigger? You know, cause I know sometimes there is a disconnect between shows that move from off-Broadway to Broadway.
1: Yeah. I don't have a fully solid memory of 32 months ago or whatever it was, 34 months. Uh, I think it's, I think it's largely survived. I think a couple different things that I had trouble with have been more reined in. And then I think some of some of the things worked better off Broadway in a slightly smaller house mm. um, at Playwrights Horizons. Um, but I should say the actor playing Usher, his name is Jachel Spivey, and he has taken the role over um, from the actor who did it off Broadway, Larry Owens. Uh, I think he's really good. Okay, I think he does a great job. Um, and I just feel like. <laughs> he and the actor miles frost who plays the other michael jackson in the mj musical are probably the the performances everyone's going to be raving about at award time um so i don't know it's not a show for everybody um and in some ways it's a show that i think is for people outside of the black queer community i feel like it's 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 made to be palatable enough for people outside to watch it and kind of feel good about themselves for having taken it in maybe more so than it is uh, for people that it would be holding up a mirror to. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that there were almost entirely white people in the audience the, the night that we went, which is, I think, a good thing. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I don't think it's a flawless show. I do think it's a show that strength is how messy it wants to get, but then I think it sometimes gets a little stylistically um, too messy. Okay. For instance, like, let me give you an example, so I don't sound oblique. There's a very elaborate kind of gospel-tinged sequence close to the end that, that feels like it's something that could be coming out of a Tyler Perry show.
0: Mm. Um.
1: But I wish that there was, and it seems like, the gospel thing is something that is eating at the character of Usher, that he has been told maybe he should be doing this musical he's striving to write in a gospel format. And it okay. seems like we're supposed to be getting to a point where he's saying, "I'm," but I'm rejecting that, and I wish that was set up in a way that was clearer. I wish it was set up in a way that says, people want me to do gospel. I don't want to do gospel. And at the end, I'm going to give you something that's an example of why I don't want to be doing gospel. I feel like that is a little murky in
0: okay. this
1: production, to, okay. to give an example. Okay. You had a question, though.
0: Um, No, I if I did, I forgot it. Oh, <laughs> hey, maybe it'll come back. If I did, I completely forgot it. So, no, it's okay.
1: <laughs> but by and large, I mean, I, I really applaud the show. I mean, it's certainly certainly a unique thing that if you're even slightly adventurous, like I was trying to say, you don't have to be too adventurous. It's not medicinal. It won't kill you to sit through the show. Um, but if you're slightly adventurous, um, I, I recommend it.
0: Oh, that, I, now I remember my question. How do you think it's going to do commercially with Broadway?
1: I don't know. Okay. I don't know how long a life it can possibly have.
0: Because I just saw For Colored Girls is closing earlier. It announced
1: a closure, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I don't know how people are surviving on Broadway if you're not Hamilton.
1: No, I mean, we we talk about this regularly, and we're having that same conversation just earlier this evening when we saw that For Colored Girls announced a closure. I Like, they couldn't even make it... I, th- I figure they were probably trying to hold out to see if any Tony nominations yeah. could boost it just a little bit yeah. and couldn't. I mean, they must have been hemorrhaging. for uh, To that point, the skin of our teeth, which is Lincoln Center Theater, which is big money and, and always and subscriber. Sold out. Yeah,
0: subscribers always sold out, yes.
1: The balcony and the mezzanine were empty. Really? Yeah, and there were, I would say three quarters of uh the seats were were taken which is not great you know in the orchestra which is not great
0: yeah because usually that those are
1: i mean those are those are figures i've never seen before at lincoln center
0: yeah like things places like lincoln center roundabout like those are those are theaters that have just so many subscribers that you, you they don't need single tickets they don't need right, to and you know, the time. people
1: okay, they may be older, they may fall asleep during the show, they may not understand what the show is, they may walk out at intermission, but they show up,
0: they pay the money, and fill the
1: seats, yeah,
0: <laughs> and, and buy the tickets. And yeah, pay. They're, they're not getting comps, yeah,
1: <laughs> no, definitely not.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, I guess. Uh, man covid either killed them all or they scared them
1: it's, all it's 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 tough and i don't know i don't i don't honestly think there are many lessons to be learned i don't think that we're going to see next season be much different um you know again the season took many forms cuz yeah. the fall was a return to theater and then by thanksgiving there was omicron yeah and then things were looking better by the spring. And then there was a new mini surge in yeah. April when a lot of shows were opening and trying to, to get in at the last minute before Tony's deadline. So everything um everything was was really tricky and plays are always a hard sell and yeah. unknown properties are always a hard sell. And like I said, a lot of people are still home. A lot yeah. of people aren't even in their offices near theaters. So like everything is still a tough So everything is still kind of a roller coaster yeah
0: i mean and that's sort of like the the also troubling part is sort of like talking to you know producers that are working on a smaller scale than broadway even Mm -hmm. are sort of saying well we want to sell tickets and i'm like okay like but you know nobody's selling tickets right now like if broadway with their big advertising budgets and their stars and their you know monopoly on the press can can't sell their tickets the smaller shows yeah i mean uh, are not yeah they're all struggle tickets. yeah they're all you're going to struggle like like you have no you know you have no marketing dollars you have no you know there, there's no yeah steam and like there's no guarantee you. right yeah. yeah there's no steam engine behind you and yeah. you know and and i'm sorry but we barely have any media left anymore to cover shit yeah. so like you know where the idea of selling tickets right now still, you know, opening and, and, you know, saying, well, I want to sell, you know, 80% of the house or whatever, you know, to make my money back. It's like, no, you probably need to like redo your math.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really frustrating.
0: Do you think the spate of crime that's been happening in, well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's all over the U.S. It's not just New York, but New York has been getting a lot of coverage of the crime spike. Do you think that's keeping people home? Or or, or New York is just like, whatever, it's just another day in the city.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe not quite that cynical, but I think the prevailing attitude is still one of, well, I still have to leave my house. I still have to live my life. I I can't worry about the freak things. You know, like everything about our city is is you live in close quarters in proximity and proximity and have to do a lot of things publicly, like take the bus and the subway places and be in places like theaters for extended periods of time where terrible things can happen. But I think it still feels like anomalous enough that it's like, look, I do my best to be safe. Right. Um i'm gonna go and do the thing i want to do
0: well i mean i don't think that you know theaters were shutting down in the 70s and 80s in new york when it was the bad old days you know like broadway was no changing.
1: when times square was yeah. was really bad no i don't think yeah. so but well, i also I was... think but i also think you could probably see a show for five dollars
0: <laughs> right and also i kind of feel like those new yorkers back then were made of heartier stock you know yeah, <laughs> like, I, mean, yeah. I really do <laughs> I really do because when I think about like the influx of people that came to New York in the in the 2000s, right, like they came to a New York that was kind of like gleaming city, you know, if you came in in like the 70s, 80s and even into the 90s, like I was on the tail end of like the crime, you know, yeah. I was on the tail end of like I was here before Disney took over Times Square, like I remember the peep shows and I remember you know for Yeah
1: state. you were you were like ready to live a grimy life in the old days in in New York it was you know like I have like my little deli, and I have like my little bagel and coffee place, and and not like I have my big fabulous famous restaurants, and I don't have these yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. chains on every block and sort of thing. Yeah. It was a much it was a much different insular kind of thing.
0: Yeah, like we didn't get our coffee, morning coffee at Starbucks. We got it from the bodega yeah. along with right. our, you know and along almost with our everyone had their sandwich. bodega. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that was where we yeah. went. Like that's where you had lunch. You had lunch at the bodega you got your coffee at the bodega you didn't go to starbucks you didn't go to salad works you didn't have you know
1: no totally yeah yeah it
0: was just a very different it was just a very different thing and now and that's why i sort of feel like you know the people in new york in the 70s and 80s could kind of i I don't know i just kind of i guess i wasn't sort of like completely expecting you to be like everybody in new york is kind of like yeah whatever shrugging it off because But I also, the crime isn't as bad as it was in the seventies. I I just don't know if like the newer people in New York really are ready for that kind of New York again.
1: I don't know. They, I mean, the newer newest people who've probably been lucky enough to stay home and shelter in place in the last two years um, and keep their jobs and their income and such uh, are probably, they probably stay in more anyway.
0: Right. Right. Anyway, just an observation.
1: Just, but that might curious. lead us. But that might lead us to something else that you were talking about. Um, you were the thinking about Met, last night, which was the Met Gala.
0: The Met Gala and its
1: theme of the Gilded Age, or whatever it was, inspired yeah. by the Gilded Age, whatever.
0: So let's just say, no, I did not watch the red carpet, no, because you know I don't do that. Um, but I did have some thoughts because you know, oh how ironic that the Met Gala is you know there was the gilded age that was kind of their you know that was the series kind of theme theme, right yeah and this this year it was the theme and i kind of felt like i don't know i kind of felt like it was totally tone deaf
1: i mean in light of what's been going on in our country in light of all the suffering that's been going on or just in general like at a higher level
0: i mean truly like a kind of i mean i guess kind of both so um i, I kind of w- w- what sparked this is i was listening to um the new york times podcast sway this morning i don't know if you've mm-hmm. like, if you've listened to that it's it's quite good and um the the person the host and kara swisher, swisher yeah kara swisher um she had this billionaire hedge fund guy on and he's written a couple of books and i guess he's like a really great prognosticator like he can look into the future he like got like right before the real estate bust back in 2008 he like saw it coming and made a pile of money off of just being able to see it coming and part of what he does is he studies um you know events in history and finds parallels to current time to sort of predict what's going to happen next And so he has a new book out, you know, Fucked If I Can Remember the Title. Um, Oh, I
1: thought that was the title.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, no, that's that would be a great title, though. I think that my next book will be called Fucked If I Can Remember the Title. Actually, my next book should be Fucked If I Can Think of the of the title. But anyway, um, he (laughs) it was so he was basically talking about how what parallels he saw with where we are in the current in our current time and like basically we're screwed right like that was kind of like what i was what a no real was surprise getting. there yeah. i could have told you that too. <laughs> it was kind of like i was like oh we're all dead we're all dead um but but uh, you know i was sort of thinking about it in context to what like having like the gilded age and this just kind of felt like um you know like like paris is burning but we're just kind mm-hmm. of you know yeah. what's that saying where you're where, the,
1: uh, Nero was fiddling around while Rome um, burned or something like whatever. that or yeah. people
0: were laughing or what, like so it's just like that we're having a wonderful time in this bubble right in this exclusive bubble that we live in and fuck the rest of you and it really did feel like that like I kind of feel like we're living in Pan Am right now you know to actually have the sort of first met gala post covid even though we're still in it everyone's basically saying this is like we're winding it down so let's call it post covid like here's the first met gala and it's going to be paying tribute to the gilded age after how many people died after after you know we saw like the wealthiest people in the world like triple their wealth during the pandemic while the rest of us are struggling through double-digit inflation. And, you know, there is no... there, I mean, as much as people talk about the Great Recession, and I know we were talking about this a bit before, like, I don't... I honestly... Oh, the,
1: yeah, the Great Resignation? Know, yeah, the Great Resignation.
0: Yeah. Like, I honestly don't know who's... You know who's getting these better jobs and getting more money? There's nobody I know is is doing that. I don't feel any employers are dangling incentives to come work for them. If anything, I none like,
1: that I've seen, and yeah, I like, like, like I, I don't feel like
0: anybody's getting any great big money. You know, we're still. You know, we're still eking along on like a very sad minimum wage that needs to be raised. Like, 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 there's all of this sh- bullshit swirling, and we've got you know demigods on either side of the aisle who are you know like it's just demigods. Sorry, not gods. It's just like the- <laughs> it could be both, or it could be both. But it it just, it just it just felt like you know how tone deaf can you be with all of this shit swirling around us you know and and sort of what this sort of like slow march to you know i don't know our own implosion i mean mm-hmm. you know I, like what are we how can we be celebrated gilded age excess like how how is that okay and how is nobody even like criticizing this because i just i just found it like you know just when I I didn't even hear about like what it was until a couple of days ago because I really don't pay that much attention to it like and and when I heard Gilded age I was like well that is like that smacks his tone deaf and then to sort of have the Gilded age happen and then or this gala happen and then this morning wake up and find out the, uh, the Roy Wade Pope. Supreme Court is about to overturn Roe v. Wade, and now we're really moving into the Handmaid's into some Handmaid's Tale territory here. And and I'm just kind of like, oh, but we had this. We we're having a lovely time at this gala. What? Like, oh, what? What? Fuck you. I don't know. I don't know. It just it just felt like I need to take a shower right after sort of hearing about this. And 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 yeah, like we're in the Hunger Games now. Here we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I know that last year they actually already had a Met Gala slightly delayed. It was in like September. So this is the second one they've done technically within COVID. And I think the theme was a little different. It was like in America or something. I mean, the result was the same. It was a bunch of rich, protected celebrities wearing outlandish outfits. Um, I mean, isn't that always the way it has been and is going to be no matter what? is is hurting yeah. the little people
0: yeah but i mean this just seems... but if they had
1: had a different theme would that have bothered you less or yes, what I if they had I gone think, on with the show okay the
0: met gala is the met gala and we always know that it is going to be what it is but you know and but for it to do the gilded age just felt so obnoxiously insensitive like like who who came up with that idea and didn't and nobody stopped to think to say oh man like you know elon musk who is yeah, buying I, fucking God. twitter because because free speech right he went from three billion dollars to like 33 billion dollars in two years mm-hmm. and Yet people who were on the front lines in the grocery stores did not even get like an extra five hundred dollar bonus, right? Yep. Like, like, do you, you know what I mean? So it's like, how how can how could they have come up with this theme and nobody stopped to like sort of check themselves? Well, and that say, is maybe the maybe thing. This is a like, bad idea. Because
1: you know? <laughs> I picture it being like, I bet not a single person questioned it. I bet not a single person batted an eye, and they're like, yep, sounds good yeah because I mean, it's tied because it's tied to the hbo show i'm sure that was inspired by that um and people just kind of went with it is the way i envisioned it happening
0: what, like I mean, yeah you maybe-
1: can see a lot of you know extravagant costumes that sort of thing i don't know but i will also say that so last night I is when i also heard about the leaked draft of of the roe v wade rule um or or i should say the new one um so i did see a lot of a response on Twitter saying I can't believe that both of these are happening at the same time or that people are watching one or the other and they only say that to say like well maybe that should give us a little faith that there's still a lot of us out there that say um let's let's also focus on the other bigger thing
0: right but I mean to me it's not only just the focus on it I think it's the fact that I, it's just the theme like like to me it okay. really... Like, to me, because I get it. Like, this is a big, splashy celebrity thing, and it's so, you know, and it, it the money goes to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and Vogue's involved, and Anna Wintour, and yada, yada, yada. Like, I get it, and I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. What I am saying is that the theme this year's theme tone deaf. is completely tone-deaf, and nobody has called out Vogue for this. And I think that that is a huge mistake. And it's just, and that, to me, is sort of going wow like we have because this feels like a slap in the face of two like hard-working americans like it really does like i feel like to non-celebrities like normal people like it really does feel like the hunger games and you're watching yeah i hear it yeah yeah you know and i don't think if they had called if they had called it anything but the gilded age like it still would have been the same but i feel like this was like an added i don't know this feels like it just heightens it right like this like because also what happened at the after the last Gilded Age.
1: Oh yeah. But did they talk about that in the podcast?
0: N- um n- um, did they, were they talking about the actual Gilded Age?
1: Was he was he linking our time to any other specific period of time? I mean, time he was talking history?
0: about like it was sort of like well, back at the turn of the century, the like the turn of the 19th century, right? Mm-hmm. This this thing happened back at the turn. And then there was obviously talk about World War II and sort of like what happened leading up to World War II. And I haven't listened to the whole whole full pot I think I've got like 10 or 15 minutes left, but it was basically. um, you know, obviously you're seeing a lot of parallels to Hitler. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and talking about that. And also the fact that there's a lot of civil unrest and he basically thinks I mean, basically his take was China is gonna overcome the United States as a superpower. Yeah. Like we, we're losing so much ground to China. I mean like extraordinary ground to China with the way he was talking that I did not even realize just in terms of like their tech and stuff like that. Like I always thought that they were kind of copycats of us like they they didn't have their own innovation they used they took american innovation and just kind of like you know stole it from there, quote yeah. unquote you know um and knocked it off uh, but he was talking about how they've been doing a lot in science and technology that is like beginning to like really surpass whatever we're doing and obviously um uh, you know a lot of goods come out of there that they don't come out of the united states they're making it all in china so basically like china is about to emerge as a superpower and just you know eclipse us in terms of that and um and we are probably you know we already know this we're on the verge of a civil war and it's probably going to happen you know and so like what is that going to look like and will the united states break up you know will 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 you know the conservatives go over here and the liberals go over here, and never the twain shall meet? And like we're going to form our own, like you know, Texas is going to be its own country or whatever. So it was, it it just wasn't. It just you know, I didn't feel I didn't get a very positive, positive, (laughs) you know, like it wasn't like he was saying. But don't worry, everything is going to be fine. We can reverse course. You know, like I I I kind of feel like the can has been kicked too far down the road here. Like there is no there is no reversing course. Yeah, but let's like go to the Met Gala and be like the be like the Gilded Age. What?
1: Yeah, I think the the Rome burning metaphor is apt.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. That was just I was just got like really frustrated this morning when I was like listening to that podcast and hearing about Roe v. Wade, um, and then and then sort of seeing the the Met Gala stuff come out, and I was like, God, who does that?
1: Yeah. Vogue.
0: That? <laughs> Vogue. Yeah. Vogue. so rant over
1: yeah well this i mean it's a lot of it's a lot it's a there's a lot of serious stuff going on and it's a significant point to bring up thank you and
0: i know you know i'm sure twitter was criticizing it but i really 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 would love for um you know, I don't know the New York Times, like established
1: like, journalism. Like yeah.
0: Established journalism to like fucking call this out, you know, just fucking call this out for what it is. It's like we're in the Hunger Games. Here we go. Yeah. And and the fact that nobody is, for whatever reason, because they like the red carpet, I don't know, is um is a little is a little frustrating. Yeah. But like I said, I'm not saying don't do the Met Gala go ahead but somebody needs to call them out for this tone deaf theme yeah i think that's totally fair really you know because we all know what happened in the gilded age right like it was yeah, like no. all of these you know robber barons living these extravagant extremely lives extremely high off the hog yeah. yeah and and the poverty was severe and and like and it's the same divide now
1: yeah and uh, you know i bet none of them even put that much thought into it probably the ones not. that could have said something that's probably part of it probably.
0: Yeah. So, well anyway. hopefully we'll have
1: fun stuff to talk about next week yeah or we'll all be dead
0: <laughs>
1: or we're dead one of those
0: all right well this was kind of an epic hollywood boulevard
1: ended up being a yeah a really long trip
0: yes so um we should go because i know you've got more work to do i've got more work to do
1: yeah you have laundry to fold i
0: have laundry to fold so yeah
1: So there you go, guys. Anything, I mean, I know there's a thousand things on TV and a thousand things going on. So uh, anything that you want us to talk about, if you want to guide our attention, just let us know uh, back on the block pod on Facebook. Yeah. Cool. All right, you guys. Be good and be safe. And we'll catch you next week, hopefully both on the boulevard and also back on the block. Until then, bye.